Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, episode 20. I am Pastor Mark. And I am Pastor Zach. And today we are doing something different. We are going to give a movie review. And the movie that we will be discussing is Soul, the recent Disney Pixar film that was released just a few days ago on Christmas Day. Uh, Both Pastor Zach and I have watched it, and uh, we were thinking that it would be good to share our pastoral thoughts from a Reformed perspective on what was presented in this film. And uh, this isn't maybe something that we're going to do all that often in the future, not looking at every movie with (laughs) kind of a critical eye, but this movie in particular, obviously just by its name you can tell, has a lot of spiritual implications. It has a lot of spiritual teaching. Hmm. Uh, At various points in the movie, it is pretty much out-and-out preaching about how a soul is developed, what the purpose of a soul is, and where a soul is heading um, at the end of a person's earthly life. And so it is a fundamentally spiritual movie and uh, with a lot of theological implications. And so we thought it would be good for our congregation and for our listeners if we take a look at it. Yeah, I think when we we brought up this idea about doing this review. We, we didn't want our podcast to become a let's review movie movies podcast. I don't think <laughs> that there's a lot of movies that, that I feel the need to speak on all the time, but I think this one in particular is, is a fascinating example of a movie that, that should be discussed a little bit, uh, especially because it's a children's movie aimed at, at entertaining young people. And so a lot of, young families may be watching it or even uh, parents with their their middle school and high mm-hmm. school age children will be watching it mm-hmm. and there are so many themes in this movie that that warrant uh, a good conversation on as i was watching it on christmas night uh, i just kept thinking wow there's so many good points of conversation mm-hmm. and dialogue in this movie mm-hmm. that it needs to be discussed and it invites that sort of discussion, I think, and I think that that's maybe one of the positive things about this movie. Mm. And I don't want to, don't I don't want this this review to just go into bashing the movie. I thought that there there was some good things that uh, that I appreciated, uh, and thought the the story was was fun enough and cute enough and so on, like every Disney movie tends to be. Mm. Um, but I do think that there are some serious things that would mm. need some some sharp criticism mm. uh and some people would just you know sort of mock us for Digging digging it into, too seriously yeah you're t- we're looking at a children's movie with this much seriousness i mean come on but i think that it it, it warrants it. It, it it beckons it from yeah, it us kind of uh prompts it in its own by its own nature and some ways, yeah, yeah i i think that uh yeah i don't want to be just be the curmudgeon um when i <laughs> when i think about disney movies and my wife often tells me that sometimes i just think about things a little too deeply like this 
we'll watch movies and I'll think that, wow, the themes there are really quite bad themes. Mm. Um, often the movie will have clean language. It won't have anything that's particularly bad in it in terms of its content, but the grand theme of the movie I think can be quite evil um, mm. sometimes. And so, or TV shows and I'll, I'll just talk about with her what I'm thinking and she'll just sort of brush it off. Um, Stop thinking is what she said. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't want to be the guy that just always overthinks everything or mm. over examines everything. But I think that this would be this movie in particular is is a good one to take a look at. Well, that brings up a really good point. And the first point, I guess, that that you made there is it's it can be the litmus test of many Christian people in America to say, is a movie rated R, it's bad? If it is a movie rated G, it's good? Yeah. And R, so a movie with nudity and lang, bad language, a lot of swearing and mm-hmm. a lot of violence, um, those are bad movies. And um, which, you know, obviously there would be some reason to believe that some of those movies are, are very bad if mm-hmm. they have all that stuff and it just is wanton abuse of right. of, of humanity and the people's image of God. Um, that is not good. But then to say any movie that's rated G would be just fine for a kid to watch. Um, yep. I think that uh, the Christian should have a little bit more uh, depth to their analysis of a film just judging by the, uh, <laughs> instead of judging by the uh, the rating system that the world gives us. So um, we do want to say, you know, that some people would, would look at us and say, oh man, is you guys just need to loosen up and enjoy something. <laughs> but, um, but really this movie does present a lot of theological teaching to mm-hmm. like overt theological teaching in it. And I, I would do the same thing. And I actually hope to do this on this channel for the miniseries, The Chosen, which is about Jesus' life. And hmm. um, eventually it would be good if we talk about that or, yeah. you know, if another movie that really sweeps through American culture like The Passion of the Christ does that again in American culture, we would be responsible pastors to give some responses to these yeah. things. And uh, and so um, there are many films that are you know, just fine to watch. And, uh, and even this film to some extent would be fine to watch, but we want to maintain this, I think, reformed attitude of being open-minded. So to watch Mm -hmm. the film, to look for some good things in it without being empty headed, which is just the idea that, Oh, it's rated G. It must be good. Um, or it's just a kid's movie. And so it, it's not really going to influence me all that much because I'm a sophisticated adult Mm -hmm. and, uh, this isn't going to lead me astray. Um, yeah. I think we should be honest about the possibility that images are powerful. Teaching, theological teaching, is either true or it is false. And uh, there was certainly a lot of falsehood in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I think about a lot when I am watching movies or TV shows, for that matter, is that what's happening is two things. The movie is, on the one hand, uh, forming you or forming the viewer trying to at least uh with certain virtues that it is presenting mm-hmm. or even sometimes it's 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 bad things but they're trying to share share a moral lesson uh with the viewer uh and so there's a formation that's trying to be happening yeah, uh, all on the part of the movie yeah. Yeah. yeah 
but it, there's another level at which for the Christian, we can see uh, how that mov- movie is portraying and revealing beliefs or worldviews from our culture to us. And so as a Christian who watches TV and watches movies, uh, I, I like to sort of think about what what is this telling me about the world? What can I learn about uh, the rest of my society, my culture, uh, outside of my Christian friends and family? What can I learn about wh- what this is saying about where our society is at? And this movie does a good job of both of those things. It is telling us things about the way the world is. It is giving us a narrative for how souls come into existence and and go after death and it tells us a lot about sort of uh, heaven and hell or the lack thereof even mm-hmm. actually in the movie um, but it also tells us a lot about who humans are what humans are like what being a true human means mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that's very inf- in, 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 uh, interesting and intriguing mm-hmm. but it also reveals in, in all of this it reveals sort of the state of our culture uh, and so that's something to keep an eye on as you watch a movie like this. Mm, yeah, that's uh, much as being uh, caught and taught. Uh, often mm. they'll say this about parenting, more is caught than taught. And yeah. uh, I think that overall, yeah, this movie Soul was uh, was impacting how people think, not just by in the words that are said, um, but by the overall message. And we'll get to that but first, we want to look at some of the positives, some of the good things yeah, totally. that were in the film. We're not just uh, haters, necessarily, <laughs> I don't think. Um, but uh, there were some things that we hated about the movie, but there were some good things in it as well. And uh, really, the the thing that jumped to mind right away for me that was a good thing was that it was a positive representation of black culture um, with jazz music, with the barbershop mm. scene, with... Um, and I, I believe it was is it was New York City um, where mm-hmm. uh, there was a functioning neighborhood where uh, people knew knew one another they knew each other's personalities and um, this movie had so much more than the token black person or the token yeah. Asian person or it, it was it wasn't trying to fill a racial quota as much as it was really representing mm-hmm. some reality and not in necessarily a stereotypical way which is often done for black people in movies but um there was a lot that rang true Mm -hmm. i would say of uh, you might say the black experience in america um not exactly that i'm the absolute authority on this matter (laughs) but because i'm a white man of course but um but i think it was good to yeah to have a positive representation of black culture yeah so you see the you see joe's mom who uh I guess owns and operates yeah. a, a sort of a, a laundromat or a yeah, cleaner. Taylor. She was Taylor. Like Taylor. Yeah. Um, there were parts of the movie that I was up and getting snacks during, so I didn't always catch every little piece. <laughs> but uh, and she has close friends that they work together and they relate to each other really well and they care about each other and her friends care about Joe because that's their friend's son. Yeah. And there's also a good depiction uh, of the father in the movie which I missed on my first time through it and had to just catch it on this uh, as I was preparing for this episode. Mm. Uh, but the father is, is who takes Joe to the jazz club mm-hmm. and his whole spiel before he takes him is 
Joe, this is part of our culture. This mm-hmm. is part of our heritage. Jazz is one of the great gifts that we've given to to American culture. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into in a minute uh, sort of some views on the genre of, of jazz. Uh, but that's a really positive depiction of of a father, of a black father in his child's life who's mm-hmm. showing him a part of their their ethnic heritage. And I think that that's, that's a really cool thing that this movie does well. Yeah, and even just the simple fact of Joe being a middle school band teacher, right? A, a black man making a, a great impact in the lives of mm-hmm. children. It's like that's, that is happening all over our totally. country right now. And it is far too seldom recognized that... Um, that a black culture has just so many wonderful things to contribute certainly to American culture and to the, the thriving and flourishing of American people. So um, you really saw that in the movie and I appreciated that. Um, another, maybe a more technical um, thing to recognize was I liked the animation that was, it was well drawn. Uh, there were times where Pam and I said to one another, it looks like they're in the real world. Um, yeah the scene that are when things are sort of shown from the cat's perspective from the floor up at the hospital or of the subway walls all of those just look real and um it was really stunningly done and i would say that a film like this or really any film that pixar makes is a challenge to christian filmmakers to probably up their game a little bit (laughs) in terms of the quality of animation um the interestingness and complexity of the characters uh there's one of my very favorite books is the pilgrim's progress and there was a pilgrim's progress animated film that was made a couple years ago and um it was it was good overall i suppose but the quality of the animation was just so poor it was worse than toy story which was made 25 years ago and so in that regard christians are more than 25 years behind our secular culture in terms of quality of the animation and um, even really the storytelling. Um, Now, there are some exceptions to that. There are some Christian Hmm. media uh, ventures which are good, Mm -hmm. but overall, I do think Christians need to uh, take a little bit more um, pride, you might say, in the quality of something instead of just the moral lessons that it presents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we could go into a whole discussion That's on Kyperianism and yeah. should Christians even be like starting their own media companies for animation or should they be going into places like Disney or mm-hmm. or Pixar and working from within and yeah, and That's so a conversation I guess for another time perhaps. It, and in that regard, Pete Docter, the director and story writer of Soul, claims to be a devout Christian. Now, I don't exactly know what sort of denominational affiliation he would have or what his personal views are on any of that stuff. But um, that is an interesting little wrinkle, you might say, in our whole discussion here. Uh, maybe to steamroll through a few more of the positives, uh, sure. I, I do think the overall message had some good in it in that it is good to discover a person's interests, abilities, and passion. Mm-hmm. Um, we have First Corinthians 12, um, which teaches us that a body, um, or we would even say a society as well, is made up of many parts, mm-hmm. and um, we need one another, and it's good when people can discover why God has made them uh, live into the context that God sets us. Like he, 
he made me, he gave me personally, Mark, an interest in um, theology and where that connects to real life. And I'm trying my best to fulfill God's purpose for my life in preaching his word to the church and doing that sort of in a formal church setting. And so for mm-hmm. other people, it might be other settings for them. And uh, this, the, the overall message of soul was that that people are different, that people are unique, mm-hmm. and that is generally a good thing to recognize. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. I, I think that it's good to for people to understand that they are unique individuals and that they are going to have unique passions, skills, uh, yeah. giftings uh, that make them different from other people. And that's something that is to be discovered, uh, is to be worked at. If you discover a passion and a gifting for music, you should work at it to, to make that better and then to share it with others. Um, as a Christian, not only as a worship leader, but becoming a good musician for the sake of excellence, I think is a, is a good thing to be pursued. And so that is a, a worthwhile uh, comment, I think, on this movie. This, this movie um, does a good job of showing the uniqueness of individuals. Uh, where I think that it begins to go wrong is in how strongly it pursues individualism. Yeah. I think it goes over the top in individualism, which is really one of the the main problems. And so we can begin to transition a little bit to yeah. uh, to some of the issues that are in the movie that we uh, took issue with. Sure, uh, sure. Ideas and ways of looking at the world that... Uh, as we watched it, made us really think about what this movie is teaching us about the worldview of our culture. And I think it's interesting just to start uh, with the the genre of music that is at heart in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's jazz. It's a jazz movie. And I like jazz. I will even occasionally listen to jazz. It's a peaceful genre. Well, certain kinds of jazz, at least, can be good. Yep. Yeah, like I, I'll put on jazz when I read. Uh, there's, you know, all kinds of good jazz and there's bad jazz. Kenny G maybe isn't <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> but jazz as a genre historically has been all about ba- breaking the boundaries of, of music rules uh, and em- emphasizing individualism and improvisation in, in music. And so the best jazz is not jazz that was written thoughtfully over a long amount of time. It's jazz that just comes to you. And you see this in the movie mm-hmm. going into that state, going yeah, into that zone. realm, the zone, yep. which they even say is between the physical and the spiritual realm. Uh, it's sort of an intermediate state. Uh, and this is where you see 22 throwing things at people who are in the zone and it knocks them out of their zone. So you have the, the girl who's on the stage at the theater quoting her lines, reciting lines, and all of a sudden she forgets her lines. And then you see the tattoo artist who says, oh, whoops, because uh, they make a mistake in, in giving the tattoo. And so jazz is, as a genre, very anti-historical and anti-authoritarian. It wants to break the rules of music. And so in this sense, it's a very modern, or you could even say postmodern mm-hmm. genre of music. And so it fits this movie really well because it is the music of individualism and i think that's important yeah there was a there was one part i forget the exact phrasing of the line but that uh jazz has a 
you might say a basic structure and then within that you just sort of do your own thing right? yeah and um yeah there's some parable parabolic um use for that in society in that um there's a basic structure to life certainly and then we, each of us is called to be an agent in uh, hmm. the context where god has set us but i would say among an, a very individualistic society like ours that will be taken to a dangerous extreme where hmm. all of a sudden all rules are worthy of being broken and um i had a, a friend who's a musician who very wisely said at one point uh, you know progress in music is and art really is about sort of breaking some rules and sure um, moving forward. And then he, he was a Christian. He also said the, the problem with art over particularly the 20th century and into the 21st century is that they're breaking the wrong rules. And so art is hmm. uninteresting and it's often leading people away from God. Hmm. So th th there's like those two things happening where art is interesting and helpful for Christians is where, um, kind of rules that deserve to be challenged are, are mm -hmm. being challenged through art um, instead of something like the, the sexual revolution where um, all sexual norms were challenged and all those rules were broken through art in a lot of cases. Yep. And um, now we're living downstream from that in a very sexually dysfunctional culture. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it, is, it, it can be such a helpful parable, but it will be abused so much that it, 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 we need to be careful in our Western individualistic society of where to apply, you might call the jazz principle. Hmm. Um, so I, I do agree. I, I liked the music a lot um, yeah. in terms of the, the quality of the music, again, was, was extremely good and, and invigorating. Um, but uh, what does it represent? You know, For one person, it will represent, hmm. oh, just enjoying some good music. For the next person, it will be, oh, we've got to shatter the all the norms, you know, and that's how the postmodern would probably hear hear um, the message of this uh, of this movie in some ways. Uh, hmm. To me, the biggest issue of the movie was in its diagnosis of humanity's problem, hmm. and we could go on this for probably quite a while because in the film, it is regarded as the central problem of humanity that the soul or the individual um, is pressured in some ways to reject your real true self. And, um, or maybe there's even the possibility that like with 22, she couldn't discover her true self and so she couldn't mm -hmm. be born. So that's the problem. And then therefore the solution that is presented is discover your true self and you'll be happy, you'll be content, you'll be fulfilled find throughout your, your whole spark. life. Yeah, you find your spark, you find your passion, find what makes you come alive, mm -hmm. quite literally in the film, actually. And uh, that is the answer to life's greatest problem. Hmm. Of course, this is not biblical. It is not Christian to believe that that is yeah. the main problem of humanity. Of course, the problem with humanity is sin. We sin against our Creator, we um, are not only born in sin, but we commit active sins against our Creator, and therefore 
the solution that is presented in the scriptures is the atonement of Jesus Christ. And it was really interesting how um, loose and vague and nebulous that um, that problem was in the movie. And so therefore, the solution is fairly vague. And like one would even have watched the film all the way to the end and wondered, well, what was Joe's spark? Was it teaching or was it jazz? Was it performing? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was still kind of hard to tell actually at the end. And, and that is where people in our world are left when the question isn't very good, the solution won't be very good and clear either. Mm-hmm. Whereas for the Christian, um, Zach and I, we commit sins and we can see how mm-hmm. Jesus Christ's atonement not only covers our sin, but corrects each individual sin in certain ways. Yeah. So um, we have a better handle as Christians, Bible believers, on the problem, and then we also get to better solutions than certainly what this film presents us with. Hmm. Yeah, so the problem for the film then is is finding that, that thing that is your passion, that your spark, uh, and then being true to yourself. Uh, right and and being yourself uh is is a big thing in this movie but then yeah for the christian it is recognizing that there is the problem is within i think that that's a really interesting point something that struck me as maybe the the big issue with this movie is it's uh, it's, it's expressive individualism come to the fore mm-hmm. uh having to be your most true and authentic form of yourself uh, and that is that is sort of what you're getting at with the spark i think is yeah. the idea of 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 pushing all things aside and becoming true to who you are uh, not letting the constraints of society uh, come down on you but you have to find that what that is that drives you uh, and i i thought that that was a really interesting part of this this movie it's so strong on that theme mm. um, and the the christian i think I, I i was watching it thinking through romans chapter eight where you see this grand war that paul is describing between the flesh and the spirit uh it seems to me that more and more in our day and age people are uh saying that the flesh that paul's talking about is the good part of you and a spirit is the bad part of you. Mm. There seems to be a reversal here. And so what are we to do in life? We are to figure out who we truly are at our base and be that person, regardless of what society would have us do otherwise, or even what our conscience would have us do otherwise. We want to uh, transgress our conscience and society in order to be who we truly are to reveal ourselves to discover who we are and express it to the world and then society must acknowledge that Mm. Uh, and Mm -hmm. i think that that sort of idea lies at root or at the heart of this movie in some ways maybe in very subtle ways but it, it seems to be there in my opinion i think another problem with the movie that is much more overt and much more on the surface, however, is its views of the origins of life and the after life. Yeah, uh, it's 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 all about uh, him. He dies, or he 
almost dies. I don't want to give any huge spoilers, I suppose, <laughs> but he nearly dies. He goes into basically a coma, mm-hmm. uh, and he's on his way to what is called the Great Beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then he fa- he goes back down the ramp. There's a ramp that's taking all these now dead people, these dead souls, up to the Great Beyond, which is this great white light. And he starts running backwards, and he falls out of the dimension down to what's called the Great Before. And so I think it's interesting that, that these show what I would call a sort of vestigial view of of heaven and and <laughs> even purgatory yeah and maybe hell that, that seems to be what the what the character is he's thinking am i in heaven am i in hell where am i but there's they don't really want to call it those things they just have the great before and the great beyond and it's sort of uh, is the sanitized version of the afterlife um and so it shows that even though we don't want to, as a culture, go so far as saying that there is a heaven and a hell and that there is a there is God, we still we can't get over this idea that there's got to be more to human existence yeah. than just this. Is it? It can't be true that that my body when I die just goes into the ground and that the my body gives life and nutrients to the plants above <laughs> me. I'm going to be pushing daisies quite literally. Uh, we, we still, even though we are a pretty godless culture and we don't want religion to be part of our lives very often, we, we sort of like to, to, to understand ourselves without God, without reference yeah. to God or anything beyond ourselves. Uh, it's, this movie shows us, it reveals to Christians that people still would like to believe that there is something mysterious beyond this world. Yeah. And they don't want to accept the Christian explanation for it, but they have a sense that there there is more to it than this. Well, and at best, it was a deistic movie in that God played no part. God yeah. did nothing. There, there was there might have been a subtle reference to God in the white light that people mm-hmm. were moving towards. Um, but but that's a very deistic... And everybody's uh, going towards it, so it's right. universalism. Right, know. well, it, I guess there could have been some kind of judgment there. Who knows? That's sure. really reading a lot between the <laughs> lines. But But really, at best, God was over things doing nothing yeah so deism is a good way of explaining that and um (laughs) and everything that happens in the film is agnostic in that it's uh it's all happening as if there is no god basically Mm -hmm. so obviously that's a problem for the christian and again just where we started this whole podcast some people be like oh you're reading too much into a kid's movie it's like no, it is presenting to us teaching about where souls come from, overtly, yeah. Yeah. obviously. Um, in my sermon this past Sunday, I talked about the front door and the side door and the back door and <laughs> and how sometimes we learn through the side door a little bit and that we learn something that's outside of Christian orthodoxy and it comes in through maybe a movie or a teacher or something like that. <laughs> this is front door stuff. This is like, here's the soul. There was, I said to Pam at one point as we were watching it, this is a sermon. This is preaching. Mm-hmm. Like it was, here's where a soul comes from. And then this happens for a soul. And then that happens. Mm-hmm. And then like 
That's particularly the, the that's scene. That's sacred stuff. You yeah. thought that was the scene in the uh, the Great Before where he right, exactly. lands in the Great Before and the Picasso-esque figure named Jerry. They're all named Jerry, but it's the first one that presents herself to him. Yeah. Um, she starts sort of explaining, yeah, the origins of souls. And so right. that and is so, sort of like a sermon. Yeah, it's it's not as though we watched uh, The Fox and the Hound or something like that. And we're, <laughs> yeah. we're going to assume all kinds of metaphorical claims that this film is making it, they're making front door kinds of claims yeah. about what the origin of a soul looks like and is and um and i guess some people would just say oh it's just supposed to be cute and maybe mm-hmm. a christian could watch it knowing that that's not really where souls come from but mm-hmm. at what point can we do we just say no yeah do we just say <laughs> no this is just not good that brings me to a question that I was thinking we would address towards the end, but we can sort of address it now. At what at what age yeah. should a child be watching this movie? That's something I was thinking about. Now, I was watching it with with my wife's family and my little niece and nephew on that side, and so I don't want to be saying I'm I'm judging anybody for for showing this to your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I watched it, I thought, you know, I having now watched it i would i sort of have been feeling like i'm not sure that i would want a young child of mine to be to be watching this just because of the confusion that it might bring into their to their minds about life and the afterlife and what it means to be a human and what it means to live in this world as a christian and so you know as a youth pastor i'm thinking i i think middle schoolers could watch this and have a good discussion, a, mm-hmm. a fruitful discussion, but much younger than that, I, I, I'm not entirely sure I would want my child to to watch it. Well, maybe that could come with two main questions when somebody is asking if their child could watch it. First would be, can my child criticize something? Would would my kid be able to say, not right, not good? Mm-hmm. You know, um, wait, 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 wait. Uh, this is like pre-purgatory or something like that, um, which in a lot of ways it does represent a purgatory um, mm-hmm. before one is born instead of after one is born. Mm-hmm. Um, would a child or young person be able to criticize something? Um, again, we think of a movie like The Fox and the Hound or something like that. Such a movie is not really deserving of metaphorical criticism Mm -hmm. um but this movie really would be and so would a would that young person be capable of doing that secondly this is just as important would you as a parent do you have the skills and ability to unpack these things theologically yeah so it's not just on the kid to discern (laughs) what was gnostic and what was um, Eastern, you know, sort of a representation of Buddhism or yeah, transcendental meditation, um, all, all these things. It's, it's not as though, oh, well, that's just for my kid to sort of figure <laughs> out. Um, do you as a parent have the ability to say, okay, Gnostic red flag here. They just switched bodies and it didn't really seem to matter. And so the body is just mm-hmm. a vessel really knowledge and self are fundamentally spiritual and divorced from the body um, and so forth and so on. Like Mm -hmm. just to notice some of those things, I think that a lot of parents might be in more of like, la-di-da, this is a cute 
movie and I like the pastel colors and the music and it made mm-hmm. me laugh a few times mm-hmm. um, versus really having some theological ability to to look at those things. And so if, yeah. if somebody is listening to this podcast and you know, wow, I just didn't see any of that stuff, well then maybe um, watching it with small children, maybe maybe that would not be a good idea because mm-hmm. it, we're called upon to be sort of watchmen on the wall in some ways, yeah. um, not just as church leaders, but as parents to say, that's not getting through this wall into mm-hmm. my family. And, um, you know, maybe there were some things that could get through the wall and you could kind of, uh, could mm-hmm. kind of reject what was, what was not good and let some things in that were good. That's possible mm-hmm. if the child is, if a young person is old enough, but uh, I think answering those two questions, can my kid criticize hmm. and could I guide a conversation that would be biblical and um, theologically productive? Yeah. And I think if you can't answer, answer those with, with a positive answer, then maybe it's a good movie to watch with your kid and intentionally have a discussion on it. I think that that could be a fruitful thing. If you have a high schooler, for example, sure. and they want to watch it. Yeah. I would, if I was a parent with a, with a high schooler, I would watch it with them and then I'd want to discuss it with them. Uh, not in a way of, again, not in coming down on the movie to just totally bash it, but to say, Hey, look, this is, this is a, this is the kind of movie that gives us a lot of fruitful dialogue opportunity mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can think through this in a, in a fun way, uh, but in a very deep way. I, I think that that would be a really cool thing to do. Yeah, well, and an, another factor, this is something that we say in our family a lot, is we don't have to watch every movie. So what? There's a movie that a lot of people like right now. That's a good point. You know, whatever. We don't have to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mom and Dad, we say what's good for you, and we don't have to watch this. Uh, maybe even if it's borderline mm-hmm. or whatever. I have small kids. My kids are ages 10, 8, 6, and 3, and so... For example, there's these monstery figures where mm. um, you you turn into a monster when you aren't living up, living into your spark or something like that, or you're rejecting you get, your you spark. You get so obsessed with it that it consumes who you are. Right. There's almost. a disconnect between joy and life and your spark and sort of what yeah. you're spending your time doing or something. Yeah, and so you become a a, a monster when that occurs, mm-hmm. and the the solution for getting rid of being a monster is essentially buddhism Um, (laughs) that was an interesting scene yeah and uh you know the 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 peace anchor is thrown down right next to it and um and the eastern religion guy who who Mm -hmm. sits uh you know um cross-legged on the pavement is the one who knows all this good stuff and Mm -hmm. so anyways that that would just be so utterly confusing for my kids that it's not worth Mm-hmm. It's not worth the power of that image being introduced into their minds as a possible solution, which I know in my mature adulthood is so far from the truth that it is tr- pure evil at a certain point. Yeah. Um, so we don't have to watch everything. Um, we say that about a good number of things that actually get pretty popular. Avatar, um, hmm. you know, this soul thing. Uh, there's even some movies that claim to be Christian that kind of make a joke of certain very important scriptural truths. And that's sort of what we say to some of those things as well. We don't want to raise our kids up to be Pharisees, but at the same time, 
we do want to raise them to have some discernment and say, I don't have to watch everything that everybody likes. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. So not always having to to do the cool thing that every other friend of theirs is doing. That's a good teaching lesson for for young children in particular. But I want to go back to something that you yep. said about images in their minds. Yeah, it's huge. I think that that's that's a really strong point as well that young children can watch this and it can form how they understand life in a way that is precognitive uh, it can and these images can get locked in their minds and it could inform detrimentally how they understand god and heaven and hell uh, more than we can even know uh, there's there's pictures that I have of my of God in my childhood that I saw that still affect to this day sometimes how I think about God and I have to cognitively fight against those things I have to think in my mind that is not true uh, or you see depictions and cartoons of heaven and hell and you mm-hmm. you still to this day can think of those often and you think you have to think to yourself as a Christian that's not how it looks and so the power of images getting lodged in our minds yeah. is really important. And then this movie has a lot of images, uh, just the image of everybody going up the ramp to the great beyond with the, the white light. Uh, that would, that would probably stick into a young child's mind very deeply for a very long time. Yeah. And yeah, we have to be careful about those sorts of things. Um, well, we already struggle. Uh, maybe this is just a personal struggle of mine I think it's probably very common sort of wondering about the engagement of God in our lives that's a temptation that any person could have at times would be to think oh God might not be all that active not that I struggle with this all the time but um but but to think of God as far away maybe is my point and looking down instead of with me um all the time like Jesus promised he would be um instead of the spirit even living within me. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's going to be a temptation. And this film will certainly feed that temptation by not having God present at all in the most important parts of our lives. Um, it was just Joe sitting by himself in the, in the mm-hmm. cafe eating pecan pie. Or, um, you know, it was, it was Joe on his own. And mm-hmm. there was a bit of a test, you might say, in some of those scenarios. Um, to live into his spark or to reject it, but really God was nowhere. Yeah, and so that's already a temptation. And do we need to feed that temptation with powerful images? I'll often say with preaching that um, a story can be helpful in a sermon. It can, it, it is powerful though in that it can be all that somebody remembers. And so. I often try to be careful with the stories that I tell. They've got to be right on in order, like like right on to the point that I'm trying to make in order to be really useful. Um, humor, stories, images, especially videos, have great power to actually distract from maybe what is the foundation of biblical teaching hmm. and, and just kind of become something light and um, peripheral you know, to people. Uh, For example, for Easter Sunday, I held my baby son, Caleb. He had just been born. um, He had been born one week before that. He was, we brought him home from the hospital on Palm Sunday. And so he was about 10 days old. And the point of holding my baby son was 
the text of first Peter that says through the resurrection of Jesus, you have new life and how important that is that we, we are born again in Christ through the resurrection. So I took the risk in using a powerful image of my own baby son in my arms. And I held Mm. him the whole sermon, um, to, to try to get through people's minds how amazing it is that we're born again in Christ because we love little babies and and we're like we're born again in in Christ that's so powerful and amazing um but even still and I said I do not want people to just remember that I held my little cute little baby during the sermon <laughs> but it still happens and so mm-hmm. the point of that being yeah there could be a few nice little lessons in this film yeah but the images um, that are fastened to people's minds might be a lot more uh, unhelpful for how we understand God and ourselves than the few little good lessons that we've learned. Yeah. Um, as a preacher, I have to be careful of that. And, and I do think that the filmmakers were very careful, but that care did not always translate into theological truth, obviously. Hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, it seems like some of the most powerful images are the most ambiguous images, mm. which is an interesting point too. Thinking about the great beyond, it's just this big white thing. There's sure. nothing to it. There, kind there's of, no uh, explanation it, of it. It, it. Like dissolve like a like a little firecracker into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and it, we don't I don't want to go into all of the uh <laughs> the imagery of it, but whenever he's in his soul form, Joe there's, there's one in, really interesting scene where he drops from the great beyond to the great before, and he's going through this it's just black space, and he, it looks like he's going through different levels. Mm. His soul even changes color to being perfectly white, and then he hits, and it's just perfectly ambiguous, this whole thing, the way it's depicted. And then yeah. even when he lands in the great before, yeah, it's just pastel colors. It's very plain, but very cutesy and there's not any any realness to it or any explanation of it mm. uh, and it just seems so bland and ambiguous uh, and it's, it it doesn't have any it, it's the power is that it it's so ambiguous but it doesn't have any good explanatory mm. explanatory force mm-hmm. of what life is really like and i think that's what the scriptures provide for christians is they give us a very strong presentation of the origins of life yeah and of what uh the afterlife quote unquote uh looks like and is like uh and i think so we have to be careful uh with how we teach these things to our to our children and even to ourselves uh, because if we have a very bland or ambiguous vision of the beyond the great beyond then we as christians won't really have any desire to 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 be there uh but we as Christians should have a strong sense of of what the new heavens and the new earth will look like, and we should be mm. living very intentionally for that uh, in the here and the now. And that, that gets a little bit again to my point of you don't have to watch everything because yeah. the first question should be, do I know the scriptures inside and out? Absolutely. Just like this is my filter through which I see all of reality because it's been proved true. It is helpful. It is the way it is life, you know, to, to know God and to know his word. And so 
if the answer is yes, then yeah, by all means, um, use the, that scriptural filter to view lots of different things in our world. Not everything in our world, but, but lots of different things. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that scriptural lens, um, something like a kid's movie or watching the news, it, it's all confusing and um, distraction from often what is real truth. And people, even watching the news, or uh, would struggle in order to be able to tell what is good and what is um, true versus what is bad and what is false um, if if they haven't first built up that scriptural understanding of God and how he's made the world to work. So um, if if somebody were listening to this and you would know I'm a, a baby Christian and just sort of getting started with the scriptures, invest your time in the word of God first, far more, over and above hmm. media and all of these different representations from our world and what what your soul is like and where it's from. Um, all of those things will be greatly confusing, I would say, um, until you really do develop that scriptural foundation um, from which you can be sent into the world to discern and judge. It's like First Corinthians 2 talks about how the spiritually spiritual things are discerned by spiritual people with the mind of Christ. Um, we make judgments about all things, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, because we have the mind of Christ and we can discern what is good. And we can watch a movie like Soul and say, that some of this was, was good and, and a lot of it was just pure trash. That is not true and we're going to distract people from the glory of Jesus Christ and his atonement mm-hmm. and resurrection and, and how he is all sufficient to provide solutions for our greatest needs in life. It's like, this film yeah. was not teaching that, and so it was yeah. not guiding people into the truth. Um, and it, it, but as Christians, we can maybe say, oh, look, there were a few good little little parts to it, but mostly, uh, I, I would say I don't recommend it to uh, yeah. to people to watch, particularly to children. It would be so confusing that it wouldn't be worth it. Um, and uh, I would say, if somebody is really interested in these kinds of things in this topic, read The Great Divorce instead. Hmm. Um, the Great Divorce is a book by C.S. Lewis where a busload of people are taken from hell into heaven. And it has the, actually the same kind of feel to it as Soul did in certain parts. Yeah. Um, a little bit uh, I hadn't a- thought ethereal. About that, but yeah. um, but uh, obviously C.S. Lewis is a genius and a Christian and is going to be presenting things in a Christian way, um, and his problem is the found- foundational problem of the great divorce is rejection of God and rejection of the truth mm-hmm. and um, an inability to enjoy the presence of God, a lack of desire to be near God through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, and so he gets to some really interesting places with that um, mm-hmm. versus this problem being um, sort of self-realization, personal human-centered actualization um, and then it just sort of drifts into nowhere. Um, it is one, maybe one little critique that, that we haven't gotten to yet that I do want to bring up is that um, human agency being so central, so much so that you're born when you're ready to be born. And so being born in this mm. film isn't even something that 
happens to a person, yeah. but it's something that happens when you're ready for it. <laughs> so after you've explored and discovered and you have a little mentor and you go through a little journey on your own and then you get ready and then you're born. Yeah. Um, I don't think the filmmakers were necessarily teaching theology about that's exactly what happens for people before they're born. But what they were teaching was pure individualistic agency mm-hmm. and really sovereignty, yeah, autonomy, yeah, personal sovereignty that things don't happen in your life until mm-hmm. you say so. Which is uh, what the opposite of that's the, almost the exact opposite of what the Christian faith teaches. <laughs> sure. You are born and it happens very much to you yeah. against any sort of will or choice that you make. It happens to you, you're, and you're born into a family. You're yep. born into, and right from the very beginning, the only way to be born is to have a community coming together, a man and a woman coming together in a sexual relationship, whereas the origins of life in this movie are just completely Asexual. De- detached yes. from, from sex at all. Yeah, uh, And it doesn't give any explanation, so that's really an argument from silence, but it seems pretty clear that you just jump out and you, you land in the body and that's how it happens. That's, and, and so it teaches an individualism there. And that's sort of what I was getting at too. in my expressive individualism Mm -hmm. comments a little earlier. Uh, And so, yeah, that's a really important uh, topic to, to get at. Yeah. And uh, well, uh, that's, um, so we are called Reformed Podmatics, and so it wouldn't uh, be good if we go without uh, a, a Bavink quote here. And so <laughs> I did find he in his book, The Christian Family, in the first chapter, he has a, a pithy little sentence, which I find helpful in correcting something of soul. Uh, he says, each child is born the fruit of fellowship. And in that sense, he means sexual union between a man and a woman. Hmm. Each child is born the fruit of fellowship. Now, Again, we don't want to maybe do be too critical on soul in this matter, but all of absolutely all of the emphasis in soul on the origin of human life is an individual, an mm-hmm. individual who is going to inhabit what seemed like a very random body. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Christian view of origin has to do with, of course, body and soul. Um, even personality, we could say, comes from mom and dad, and uh, I could see yeah, formation. amazing things that my kids do that I've certainly never done around them, but that that they do just like I always did, and it's wonderful to see that that they're part me and part my wife, <laughs> and it's actually quite thrilling as a as a dad to see that um, soul really kind of robs humanity you might say of its beautiful connection to mom and dad um because it just gives zero attention to that so uh that is one little thing it's it's we could go on that topic for really quite a while mm-hmm. but uh sort of the asexuality you might say of of everything and uh in particular you have <laughs> the scene where um 22 goes into Joe's body, Joe goes into the cat's body, and I mean, honestly, one does not have to do all that much research Mm -hmm. into Pixar and Disney to see that they have a very strong trans LGBTQ agenda in a lot of the things that they produce. For example, watch the um, Spark shorts. I mean, uh, they are 
are very LGBTQ, um, out and out uh, propaganda, I would say. Um, I watched one called Pearl the uh, after we watched Soul, and it was white men are the problem with humanity, and um, female uh, females are the solution to um, to bringing diversity. And uh, it was pure pure propaganda. And so let's be honest that that propaganda is also yeah. trickling into movies like Soul, where there is a scene where there's a soul and a cat and a female soul in a man's body, mm-hmm. that's not by accident, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so, of course, that is a very big problem for yeah, a Christian Yeah, it goes anthropology. to show that, or it explains how it's so easy. Like That scene would be very hard for somebody 100 years ago to sort of watch and, and recognize and understand, uh, whereas today it just makes perfect sense that, yes, a, a woman can be trapped in a man's body, uh, so right. you can see the sort of connection there. It's not overt, uh, but it is. It makes sense. It's plausible in in our world. Um, but going back to what you said, just to sort of wrap things up uh, about uh, whether to watch this movie or not, I think maybe I would disagree slightly with you. Okay. Um, you you said that we should know the scriptures. We should we should know them first and foremost, and we should develop a deep understanding of the scriptures and i obviously agree very much with that i almost think that if you are a if you know yourself to be and this is going to be maybe difficult but if you know yourself to be a mature christian mm-hmm. i might even encourage someone to okay. watch this movie interesting uh now the problem here is that you may think you're mature and not be a mature christian but i think it could be a fruitful movie for people to watch. And I'm not saying go out and watch it. Everybody should watch it. I think right. there, maybe there's wisdom in just saying, no, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to waste my time watching this. Uh, <laughs> I think that that is good, especially for kids to say, you know, you know what? No, we're not going to watch this movie. That can be a, a good thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but I would almost encourage, maybe I'm thinking of like college or young adults who are really interested in learning about uh, how to speak to this current culture as Christians and how this current culture thinks, I think this movie is a good cultural mm. artifact mm-hmm. in that sense, that we can learn a lot about our culture uh, that we live in as Christians now in the 21st century and how then to speak uh, to, to to our culture. Uh, and so mm. maybe that's my Kuyperianism coming out a little yeah. bit. But I think that if you are a mature Christian, you can watch this and you can have similar thoughts that we're having uh, that would be fruitful and as you try to think through how to speak to our culture, how to engage evangelistically with our culture. Uh, because I think this movie reveals so much about how people uh, in our world today understand life, understand mm-hmm. what it means to be human, and understand what the afterlife looks like and is like. And so I think that that's helpful uh, it, it gives you the help, the helpful sort of grammar and syntax in order to have those conversations mm. with people uh, who who aren't Christians and who don't consider themselves religious. Yeah, we've talked before. So I agree with those points about uh, we've talked before about appositional teaching, right? And learning what you do believe by engaging with a lot of things that you don't believe or that challenge our belief. And so, yeah, this would certainly do that. Um, with regards to the origin and destination of a soul 
and could be a, a great opportunity to talk with uh you know a high school kid about man um i'm so, hopefully it would lead people into a, a lot of thankfulness and gratitude for the clarity of christian doctrine uh, mm-hmm. because it was so fuzzy and vague and um, nebulous yeah. and, and different points that it really was not good news you would say it was a human centric um mm-hmm. okay so go get them you know mm-hmm. is sort of the best that you could get from that movie yeah. um it certainly was not grace based um that 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 god would would lavish grace upon people who were really lost and and save people actively um it was not that it was a, a go get them kind of message which is really every disney movie but yeah. um but anyways i i don't completely disagree i i do think that maybe my final point is this that um sometimes we need to recognize there are breaks in life and by breaks i mean like the breaks of a car b-r-a-k-e um, that uh, it's good to pump the brakes sometimes and say, yeah. no, you know. Um, so for our Christian worship service, that's that's where I heard this teaching actually was a pastor saying, sometimes we say no to things for being included in a Christian worship service. And some of the reason for that is to say, nope, there, we're, we're on this path of life, we're all in this car together, and there are some brakes, and, yeah. and that is good. And that's a, a safe way of driving is to use the brakes. And um, for this film, uh, I, I would guess everybody listening to this has watched the movie already. Otherwise, we've spoiled maybe good portions of it. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I wouldn't say one has to feel all guilt-ridden and confess the sin of watching Soul. Um, however, yeah. I do think every Christian sometimes, with regards to media needs to hit the brakes we shouldn't just say, watch it carelessly yeah and just say oh well it's uh, just something that people are doing and uh, since there's no brakes on the car of my life i'm just i just go i'm just going for it right just like a car spinning out of control hmm. crashing into everything and that's um a good point. and so that's a little bit of where again we are with our kids we watch a lot of things i'm watching star wars now with them there's some stuff in there that's a little bit questionable um but uh, we unpack things and we explain things and so it's not as though I'm calling every listener into a hermetic life of, um, of Amishness, um, but, uh, but every Christian should at times say, no, we just don't need to, um, because the world doesn't determine what we consume, but uh, sort of Christian, it's kind of, again, that 1 Corinthians 2, the, we discern it with the mind of Christ. Um, yeah. What is good and, and what is helpful, what is noble, what is pure, think about such things. So, um, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say it was absolute evil and, and wrong, but I would say it's okay if somebody were to say, no, it's just not for us and we're going to move on to the next thing. So that's all right, too. I think that's a really good point, and I think in touching on that, we've given a good explanation of, of our mood towards this movie. Yeah. Uh, and so hopefully this has been helpful. Hopefully you've not again just heard in all of this us just ranting and raving about how bad this movie was uh it's it's an interesting movie it's a thought-provoking movie it's something that uh, requires lots of discernment even watching it requires discernment Mm -hmm. and so uh 
yeah hopefully if you've watched it you've enjoyed thinking through it at a deeper level other than just uh, enjoying it for its entertainment value well thank you guys for joining us for this final uh, episode of 2020 we look forward to joining you in 2021 that's right uh in the weeks to come see ya